Hello and welcome to Fixing the Optical Problem, where we are trying to not contribute to the optical problem. I'm Zach Kastner, ABOC, owner of Shorewood Opticians in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and your resident sloptician. Joined as ever by Matthew Smith, otherwise known as That Glasses Guy and owner of That Glasses Guy Optique. And we've got a special guest today, Mr. Badass himself, who needs no introductions. That's yeah. true. Speaking of making it weirder, Scott, talk dirty to me about single vision lenses. Talk dirty. <laughs> Just about single vision lenses. Like, let's get nitty gritty on single vision lenses. Did you, you know, say I feel like me about single vision lenses? What did you just say? I thought you said talk dirty to me about single vision lenses. I did. Uh, okay. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> no. So well, Matt and I were talking about it before you got on and it seemed everyone talks about progressive. That's all everyone cares about. Progressive this, progressive that. Progressives make the world go round but such a huge market segment is single vision still. So, you know, conventional, cast, aspheric, digital, atoric, these are all buzzwords that are thrown around constantly. And I would say even up until a couple of years ago, I didn't even know what the difference between any of these were. I just figured that they were marketing buzzwords. And there are some differences, but talk through it, especially from the lab side. Oh, man. From the technical side, I mean... Stock finished lenses are fine depending on power. So the more power, especially the more cylinder or plus on plus on minus power introduces more errors in um, the lens and in the fitting. However, um, a lot of these errors that freeform lenses claim to fix are irrelevant. They're not perceptible to the human eye and um, the other issue with freeform lenses that nobody talks about much is that the quality of the surface is a big deal. And quality of surface is achieved in the lab that monitors their surface quality on a weekly basis and makes adjustments accordingly. Most production labs, you're lucky if they check it every three months. So this idea that you could compare um, apples to apples. So brand day's lens that you get in today compared to brand day's lens in three weeks, maybe two very different wearing experiences. And when you do take a, a machine that is not really dialed in, it's good enough, the power reads right, so you pass it and you dial it in and then you make a new lens, especially for someone who needs it, like a plus six, minus two at 45. And they put on the in pair they will tell you oh my god what a difference so lens quality and surface quality is really a big deal it's if if you are using a lab that produces way too many pairs in between calibrations it really is a bigger deal than the lens design you're you're, you're using it's like you know you could buy a really expensive tire that's worn down and barely has any threads left on it or you could buy a cheap tire that's brand new, which is going to be better. Um, it, and that's that's the piece of it that large manufacturers, they don't talk about it. They don't want to deal with it. I don't even think they care. Service quality is huge. And that's in all types of lenses, not just single vision. But that's, that's a great point that I wasn't even thinking about bringing up today. So thank you for talking about that. So a stock finished lens should have in theory, better quality, as long as the molds aren't worn out. Um, 
then you said aspheric is the next level up. And an aspheric lens is typically made from a glass mold that was made from a freeform machine because that's why freeform machines were invented to begin with. So you're already getting a lens surface that's been calculated to be optimal over an average fit, if that makes sense. So go ahead. I, I was just going to say, because there's a company that's going to be pushing out a freeform cast lens is how they're marketing it in the next couple of months here. <laughs> really? Yeah. Sir, I, I kid you not. It, <laughs> they Dude, they've it. been freeform cast for 30 years. <laughs> I'm just... I'm just, it's making me laugh because, you know, these are things that I've, I've known and I just, you know, they get pushed to the back of the brain because whatever. That's, that's nice, right? It is. They are, it's a cat, <laughs> it, it is a stock freeform lens. Yeah. And I did just give my rep the blank stare when he came in and I, I really like him. He's a great guy, but I was just like, really? <clears throat> technology was um, developed to make molds, glass molds for, or actually, I guess metal molds, you could do that too, but for stock finished blanks um, or semi-finished blanks, and that included progressives. Um, before that, they were, I don't even want to go into how old, that's way old. That's like Barry Santini old. Uh, <laughs> Barry does listen to this podcast, just so you're I, aware. Well, I wanted to get him in there because the secret <laughs> is he loves the attention. Anyway, um <laughs> It doesn't matter. He loves the attention. So, Barry likes to sit next to the third rail. He doesn't want to touch it. He just wants to sit right next to it. That's Barry. Anyway, so now, now that you know that, you know, you own him. So anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no. So let's see. Back to where we're going. So freeform lenses were surfaced. Um, the, the, the surface of the glass was made on a freeform generator. Um, and that freeform surface was then made into a stock finished lens. That, that glass mold was used to mold the front of a progressive or the front of a single vision lens or the front and back of an aspheric lens. So I guess they're just rebranding or remarketing how the lenses were already made. Now with cast lenses, Typically, a cast lens will be thinner than a surfaced lens. Correct. Although there are some people that are saying, no, they can get them darn close. And the difference is set. I mean, a lot of people don't know because of previous marketing from big companies that, you know, a half of a millimeter on the center of, say, a minus lens, in terms of the final cosmetic look, it's really neither here nor there. Um, a 1-0 center versus a 1-2 versus a 1-4. We're talking about a fingernail out at the edge, maybe two fingernails different. So, you know, in theory, um, stock finished are thinner because you can control the manufacturing process much, much closer. Freeform lenses can be very thin. A lot of big companies, again, they don't calibrate, they don't pay attention to this stuff, and they don't do that. While we're on the calibration there, I want to just throw in there, it, does lens material have any bearing and effect on this? I know you know a lot more about the production side than I do, but what about labs that are running a bunch of different materials throughout the day? How is that affecting the final lens surface based on the calibrations that they're running? 
Ooh, mm. let, help me dial in that question. So basically, <laughs> so are you asking, you're asking per lens material. So say one lens is right. one material, lens is another material. Does that affect manufacturing? Right. Yeah. Does that affect our final lens surface quality just based on how the surfacing machine is calibrated? Um, I'm going to say yes, but here it, it's not a, a huge factor. When Trivex first came out, surfacing started to have to be done. Okay. So obviously there are different um, effects. Um, when your lab equipment, it's the same for edging. If you guys run edgers, Try the poly are going to wear out your wheels faster than plastics. Uh, and that goes the same for blade cutting um, edgers as well. The blade will get dull faster. So on that respect, if a lab is running a lot of poly and Trivex um, through surface, their, their machines are going to wear more and their parts are going to wear more. Does that answer your question? I was directing yeah, that. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Anyways, going back to that original single vision question, what about aspheric versus atoric? Um, it's so it's kind of a fancy delineation. Um, most aspheric lenses now on the market, I think, are also atoric, and they just didn't change the label. Um, Atoric just means that they're 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 blend. I'm going to use some some very imprecise words. They're blending okay. the they're blending the cylinder power a little bit to maximize um, vision in the visual field and the 30 degrees of rotation that your eye looks through, and um, they're moving the cylinder. The, the the they're doing that by doing a trade off between the peripheral and the um, direct line of sight, if that makes sense. It does. So that's more of a vision quality thing rather than a spheric, I feel like is a lot of times a cosmetic quality difference. Um, so aspheric lenses should not be cosmetically different. So asphericity is actually part of the, the design of the lens that achieves a certain power. Um, back in the day, one of the first mass-marketed aspheric lenses was called uh, Spectralite. It was 154 plastic, and they were all automatically aspheric no matter what you ordered. And um, they tended to be very curved. So if you ordered a plus four in Spectralite, you were going to get an eight base. Wow-ish. Someone will call me out on that. They'll go back and look. We have all that in our computer. Like if somebody has an old Spectralite on the shelf, we could run it. And, you know, that that's in there. So somebody will go, oh, it's a seven base or whatever. It doesn't matter. The, com the computer picked really high base curves for plus for Spectralite. So um, mm -hmm. I, I tend to think of aspheric lenses as having a fitting button or fitting bubble. And that was a Seiko marketing thing that they still use. And in that 10 millimeter circle, the fitting button is um, an aspheric design or a toric design that is optimized for um, slightly better vision. I mean, that's, that's generally how I think about it. Hmm. 
that's a good uh good little segue good or good little thought on that um matt anything to add in before i go with the rest of the list oh, no, we're all we're almost I, there I, just, I always <laughs> think it's interesting when we get into comparing <laughs> visual so right now. oh they're vision. dying <laughs> i don't think people are dying scott it's always interesting having you on there's always little tidbits that we get out of this that traditional mentors and textbooks could never teach you so i always appreciate having you here fun stuff allegedly fun stuff depends on who you're asking it's the nerd show today well that I will take full credit for. Absolutely. What frames are you wearing today, Scott? I'm wearing a frame I made. Um, I mean, I made it. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> well, that just happened. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, so it's actually the B30,000. No. Oh. B thirty thousand, and it was one of those laying around here. Actually, this frame. So um, back in the day, I made these about four or five years ago. Lafont had a a habit of making really good quality bread and butter frames, and this one was called the Gentleman, and it fit me. And Lafont has a bad habit of even if they have a frame that blows out, they'll just or they'll stop making it, and that that's kind of a higher end thing to do. And so they stopped making this and I went, well, God, I love wearing that thing. And even though I don't really love it anymore because I'm tired of it, um, I decided to make it. So I made these there. That's I thought I was... Instead of what frame am I wearing? That's the story of the frame I'm wearing. Even better, even better. Cause we were going to segue here into frame construction. Cause mm -hmm. you see lots and lots of frames and you see some very, very high end frames. And I'm assuming you also see some very low-end frames. You know, mm -hmm. talk about the the touch difference, the the hinge difference, even just the quality of plastic or metal difference, if there even is any. I mean, Matt and I have our own opinions on this, but I um, hear from you. Well, one of the things that's confusing, it's one of those things where you have to just know stuff because people that market their product as high-end with sticking a high price on it they're not selling a high end. I mean, it's cl clearly cost cutting to the max and that's pretty, it's always been kind of common in our industry. So mm -hmm. just because there's something in economics class, I'm sorry, I told you nerd time. It's <laughs> called, um, it, it, this is something you can Google and it actually applies to optical retail, but when you're selling a good, and in this case, our good is eyeglasses. Um, there's something called an inferior good and a superior good. An inferior or a superior good is a good that um, it, it's this concept that let me, let's just put it this way. You guys can look it up, but it's a concept that if you raise the price on something, it makes it more desirable. So there is kind of a sleight of hand in optical where they'll raise the price on a certain pair of glasses and it'll kind of get a high-end reputation maybe they'll market it that way but then when you get it in your hands it's cheesy yeah so um there's that's probably that's that's the norm actually that's that's a norm in our industry i'm not saying everybody does that um there's a lot of people that don't but 
there's enough people doing it where it's kind of normal. Yeah, I mean, I saw it even at Expo this year, there was a brand I really was hoping to be wowed by, but I actually got my hands on it and was like, oh, this is awful. Like, I can see the weld here. And this is not, this is like a $700 retail frame. And you could visibly see the weld points on this high-end gold collection. I, I just wanted to die inside. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is interesting to me. Mm. But, mm. Interesting. I um, remember that. The, the solder points on a metal are really important, and or the welds, and how well they hold up is a big deal. Absolutely. So, yeah. How about different plastics? Because you see lots of different acetates, and I'm assuming you also see lots of nylons and uh, what's the PMMA or whatever, and TR90, just... So TR90 is kind of interesting. It's a super cheap injected polycarbonate, basically. And what's interesting about it is in Korea is primarily where it's made. There's some made in Taiwan. But um, the finish quality on that has gone way up. So the finish, mm -hmm. even though they weigh nothing, they're cheesy, they cost 99 cents to make or two bucks to make or whatever. The finish on them is permanent usually, and it looks really, really good, really vivid. Oop. Just lost mm -hmm. my life. Um, but um, <clears throat> that's, I guess, I don't know. You asked me about TR90. Um, there's there's injected acetate and block stock acetate mm -hmm. uh, and extruded acetate. And oops, people don't know I'm closed today. Um, <laughs> stop bringing in two, three rings. Um the difference in how they're manufactured is a lot. So yeah. a true block acetate, you should be able to look at it. It's really hard on the surface, which means it doesn't scratch easily. Um, and you should be able to look into it if it's not solid. Even if it is solid, it kind of has some depth to it. If it's polished correctly, you should be able to see your refle face reflection in it. Um and then from that on down, you get lower and lower quality and cheaper acetates. Yeah, and the extruded, that's kind of a newer one from my understanding, right? We didn't see that for a long standing time in optical, at least. But in cheap frames, and now they're using it mm -hmm. in more expensive frames. Right. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. You can also save a lot of time shooting temples using extruded or... Um, um cheaper acetates i mean there, there's, there's it's generally softer yeah it's, it's extruded softer it scratches when you look at it um, it's usually usually thin um mm -hmm. no more than four millimeters and sometimes they'll skive it down to three or two um and it doesn't really have a lot of uh, vivid color to it it's kind of dead yeah when you compare it there's no depth and soul to it like that car with 10 layers of paint on it from oh. the 60s. You want your eyeglasses to have soul. Yes, you do. Speaking of soul and eyeglasses, I don't get to see a lot of these, but the two of you do. Talk to me about JMM. I feel like every time I see a post on don't, uh, Nobody Asked the Lab Guy, it's a JMM frame. You must see a ton of them. Oh, yeah. We have a lot of JMMs. We love those. Um I mean, they they have since they started, they have kind of 
a more diverse collection now. Their metals are really amazing. Um, but in terms of acetates, um, they use um, 13 millimeter block. Um, the upshot of that is that it's hella thick and chunky and amazing like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I love them. The downside of 13 millimeter block is you can't put a rivet through it because the rivet will bend. Um, and that- I'm still working on that problem you gave me, by the way. Which one? Do you remember that? You called out Travis and me saying that we need to figure out why we can't get a 13 millimeter rivet. Oh, yeah, it'll bend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it'll a... bend break. Mm -hmm. um, and you can even mess with the metal content in it. And to my knowledge, no one has solved the right alloy that will go through 13 millimeters because you'd need a 14 or 15 millimeter rivet to do that. Mm -hmm. But um, that's why GMM has plaques on the front instead of rivets those aren't functional but they you know that's their thing they're cool good stuff it, uh, it's whether you want that shield there or the exposed head of the heat sunk hinges right <laughs> yeah crystal frame i mean i always like when someone will put a real rivet on a crystal frame i don't like mm -hmm. shields with the exception of the 13 millimeter where it's not you can't avoid it but um if you put real rivets onto a crystal frame it distracts from the burned in hinge behind it that you can see so there's just little things you can do that kick up a frame and make it higher quality most lens designers don't or frame designers don't even they just don't know <laughs> they don't know what they don't know like most opticians <laughs> yeah Ooh. You guys my just dog just ran into my door. <clears throat> What'd you say there, Scott? I said, you guys are laughing and having a good time. We're trying. We're trying to keep it fun and interesting. Oh. Well, why are we talking about glasses? I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Well, let's talk about one last thing here. At least I've got one last thing on my list. Are we going to see you at Expo this year? <sighs> the dreaded Expo. So... Last year, I had New York totally booked, and I don't know if you guys remembered, but yep. all flights were just not happening, and at 3 in the morning, I finally found out that my flight wasn't going, and there were no other choices, so it was a huge hassle, um, but if I can get over that this year, I'll go to Expo. That's um, Then we'll revisit the this live, and then we'll have Zach on on remote if he can't make it <laughs> we'll see we'll see we're still very much up in the air if i'm going to, to new york or not oh. haven't been to new york yet i've done west three or four times now and still just have never made it to to east mm, west has always been kind of a dud i mean i always go to west because it's an hour flight for me so it's easy and the only reason i really go to any expos because there's people i'd like to talk to in person about business yeah. stuff that's but... pretty much the only reason i go but, um, yeah, New York is kind of a haul for me to do that. But I might go. I mean, I kind of miss it. I haven't missed an expo and I don't know. This will be a Vision Expo in, like, number 57 or whatever. <clears throat> I don't know. You missed West, right? We didn't see you at West. I was at West. What? Wow. Scott! I think all of us are a little hurt. Yeah, whatever. 
He'll get over yeah. it. What just popped in, popped out, weren't there very long? Um, I flew in in the morning and flew out at night. Got it. That's fair. Everybody's saying I want to hang out and eat dinner. It's like you guys just aren't where I'm at right now. <laughs> I got hours and I got to maximize. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I don't know. We spent a lot of time with Carrie there. So we were, uh, we were hoping to get all the, get the two of you in the same room together. I would have never made my flight. It would have been a disaster. <laughs> it would have been a big old. <laughs> and Too you guys, true. You guys always want to have fun times. We try. We try to keep it interesting. That's for sure. Unlike cool. this, apparently, according to you, Scott. Oh. Matt, any final oh. thoughts that you want to put in? No, no. I, I think this has been uh, quite an interesting chat today. So I'm, I'm going to keep quiet as I well, don't often do. He's got a question, so now you got to ask a question. Yeah, there you go. See, so you got one last opportunity here, buddy. One last one. 